The Josh Gaddis departure buzz is heating up. But can we separate the rumor from reality? You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host. Happy Friday. Thank you so much for making Locked On Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. So, more and more rumors and discussions are happening about whether or not offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis is going to return for the 2023 season. So, Here's the latest that's being talked about, and I'm going to tell you like what's rumor versus what are we kind of actually hearing could be the case here. So now Miami Hurricanes offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis, who is not very popular among Hurricanes fans right now, uh, you know, the offense just never really got out of the garage this past season. So now he's being linked to Iowa. But I want to throw a little bit of sand on this fire, okay? As far as the Iowa thing goes, as far as I can tell, Josh Gaddis to the Iowa Hawkeyes right now, strictly rumors and speculation at this point. It is being talked about on Iowa radio and on their 24-7 message boards, their recruiting boards and all that. Uh, and I think one of the reasons why Gaddis to Iowa is starting to gain a little steam right now, at least as far as discussions go. And I'm not saying it can't happen, uh, but here's, I think, why it's gaining so much steam right now. His former quarterback at Michigan, Cade McNamara, who we've talked about in the past few days, like could he be a transfer target for Miami? I didn't really think so. And he's definitely not a target for Miami because now McNamara is transferring to Iowa. Aside from the fact that he's staying in conference and he's a Big Ten guy, it definitely raised some eyebrows. Like McNamara to Iowa, their offense has been really bad for the last couple of years. We'll talk about just how bad Iowa's offense uh, was in, in the 2022 season. Um, and so, yeah, with McNamara, who's got a really good relationship with Gaddis, I mean, they worked together in 2021 when Gaddis was the OC. McNamara was the Michigan quarterback, and they got to the college football playoff that year. A lot of people are saying, well, McNamara going to Iowa, maybe that means Gaddis is going to Iowa. Now, as far as Josh Gaddis potentially joining the Iowa Hawkeyes staff, uh, here's the part of this rumor that I find to be a potential obstacle. So Kirk Ferentz is the head coach at Iowa. His son, Brian Ferentz, is the offensive coordinator at Iowa. So is Kirk willing to fire or more likely demote his son? Because that's the buzz that he could keep him on the staff and not outright fire him in order to bring in a new offensive coordinator. Uh, does Kirk Ferentz have the stones to do what Mark Richt didn't do? Because this reminds me a lot of that situation because Iowa's offense is bad. The head coach's son is their offensive coordinator. Do you remember when Mark Rick's son, John Rick, was the quarterback's coach? And, you know, every fan wanted John out, but Mark didn't want to do it. At the end of the day, Mark Rick resigned before he ever was even really faced with the opportunity to demote or, or let his son go. So, Will, does Kirk Ferentz have the stones to do what Mark Rick didn't? 
Now, I do think, and, and this is not locked on Hawkeyes, so I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this with Iowa. Um, it's it's definitely not impossible that Iowa were to bring in a new offensive coordinator and do something about Brian Ferentz because the Iowa offense this season ranked 130th in the country out of 131 teams. Miami's offense ranked 88th. So Iowa's offense was so bad. How bad were they? They were so bad that Iowa fans are actually excited about the possibility of Josh Gaddis taking over their offense. That's how down Iowa's offense has been. So uh, Josh Gaddis, if if something were to happen here, if he were to you know to move on to move somewhere else, uh, he's obviously I think a better fit for Big Ten football than he is for Miami in the ACC. Power football, run heavy. He already had success at Michigan. So this would be, I think, a better fit for him on paper. And he probably knows that if that that opportunity were to come up there. And yeah, the chance to reunite with a quarterback that he had success with could be an interesting fit there. Um, now, I don't know if it's going to be Iowa, if, if, if Gaddis goes somewhere. I don't know if it's going to be Iowa, but it has been my sense going back to Monday of this week, based on some conversations that I've had, I do think Josh Gaddis will more than likely not be back. I never thought he would be outright fired, okay? And that's why it's taken some time here because I've seen, seen I've seen some people who are so impatient, you know, because the season just ended like less than a week ago. And I see some people like, how has he not been fired yet? Why, why is Josh Gaddis still here? This guy shouldn't have even been allowed to, to go home after the game. They should have fired him. They should have made him leave Miami at that moment, uh, you know, this is going to take time. If, if he leaves, it's going to take time because I don't think Miami's going to outright fire him. I think it's going to be one of those mutual separations or him taking another job, whether it's Iowa or something else. And honestly, if it plays out that way where it's a mutual separation agreement or he leaves for another job, that's the best outcome for Miami because if you fire him outright, you've got to pay a seven-figure buyout. If he leaves voluntarily and takes another job, you know, you either potentially don't have to pay any buyout or you negotiate a significantly lower buyout than what it would be if you just can the guy. So that's what we're looking at. Now, if Josh Gaddis were to leave, um, I would definitely keep an eye on recently fired UNLV head coach Marcus Arroyo. Um, he had great success under Mario Cristobal at Oregon, was an offensive coordinator uh, early on in Mario's tenure there. In fact, the last game that Arroyo called as OC was a Rose Bowl victory for the Ducks in 2019. So I think he and Mario have a good relationship, and he left after that to be the UNLB head coach. And that was honestly a puzzling firing. Now, his record there stunk, okay? In three years, they went 7-23. and 23. So, yeah, the overall record uh, was, was terrible there. But when he took over UNLV, that program was in the toilet. Like, they were winless when he took over. They improved every season that he was there. Uh, you know, his final season, which was this year, they went 5-7. and seven. Uh, So they went from, like, zero wins to two wins to five wins, and they, they still decided to fire him after that. I know that players were surprised uh, that he was let go. Uh, so you'd have to wonder there because he's got the history, the working relationship with Cristobal. I would definitely keep an eye on Marcus Arroyo or you know maybe he'll try to find like another head coaching job at a really small school uh, I, I don't know but if he wants to be a coordinator uh, if this job comes open that could be a natural fit for him now my home run hire 
And I'm not saying that this would happen, but I'm saying if you're willing to invest a lot and try to get somebody who's currently doing TV, not coaching, my home run hire would be Dan Mullen. He would obviously be very expensive. Now, if Mario could hire someone like that, you would have to hand him the keys to the offense. He would have to be like an assistant or associate head coach. Let him hire his own staff. Don't micromanage the offense. You know, you would basically give he'd be like the, the head coach of the offense in a way if you were to make a move like that. Uh, I but again, you know, I don't Mullen would be very expensive. He seems to be pretty happy right now doing TV. You know, he also obviously has big time Florida Gators ties, but they did fire him. So maybe he's not that loyal where he'd be like, you know what? Why would I avoid taking the job of a rival when you guys fired me? You know, it's like Randy Shannon. Randy Shannon was fired by Miami. He's worked for every rival of Miami over the last 15 years. So I don't know if that would be. I know some Florida fans are like, he's a Gator. He, he, he would never he would never work for Miami. I, I don't know. I, I don't you know. Whole, that's a pipe dream for me, obviously, on somebody like Mullen. Uh, a lot of Canes fans bring up Scott Frost. He's obviously got a really good resume, but you do a little digging there. Seems to be a little baggage with Frost. I'll leave it at that. Uh, but, you know, seems like a heck of a football coach. But, you know, I don't know. Could Frank Ponce be promoted quarterbacks coach at Miami? It is possible. Uh, I thought Ponce did a, a really good job as the OC and play caller at Appalachian State. Uh, I get the sense Miami, if Gaddis doesn't come back, would like to make a bigger splash. But Gaddis was a big splash hire. That was a flashy hire. That didn't exactly work out. So maybe Miami would go a more uh, you know, conservative, low-key uh, direction here. So if, if Gaddis were to leave and Ponce would be promoted, uh, to offensive coordinator, I would imagine he would probably keep his quarterbacks coach title also. So he would be QB coach and offensive coordinator. And then Miami would have the opportunity to go out and get hopefully a really good wide receivers coach because Josh Gaddis is also the wide receivers coach. So if he leaves, you're losing an OC and a wide receivers coach. So if Ponce were to be promoted, and you guys can let me know if that's something you're interested in, because I know that's very polarizing. But if Ponce were to be promoted, he'd probably keep the quarterback coach title. He would add offensive coordinator. And then you go out and hopefully hire a really, really good wide receivers coach, because that's, I think, something Miami really, really needs. Okay, so that's where we're at now um, is Miami's quarterback situation, because nobody wants to leave. <laughs> Could that be a sign that maybe these guys know Gaddis has one foot out the door, right? Because no, none of these quarterbacks want to leave. They all want to be Miami Hurricanes. We will talk about the latest on the Miami Hurricanes quarterback room for the present and future when we come back here on Locked on Canes. So keep it locked. And guys, make sure you are keeping it locked to Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer. You got a big tournament going on right now at esports. We've got you all covered at Bet Online. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at Bet Online as well. And we're going to do, guys, uh, later on in this episode of Locked on Canes, we're going to look at some odds for the championship games this weekend at bet online they are always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix so head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more bet online where the game starts thank you so much for making locked on canes your first listen today we're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on youtube 
So Miami is not only keeping Tyler Van Dyke, uh, Kane Sport was the first to report that TVD is going to be staying, that he's not hitting the portal. He's not testing the waters. And then a couple hours after that, Rivals, Canes County, reports that Jake Garcia is staying too. And that report is being confirmed now left and right. So the quarterback room next year is going to look a lot like the quarterback room this year. Uh, or this past year, but with the addition of Emery Williams, the true freshman who's coming in. And I, I think it's good for Emery to have several veterans to learn from, right? Since, you know, he was unlikely to be a first-year starter anyway. So it's not like Williams was going to play in 2023. Uh, and, and, oh, by the way, when we mentioned Tyler Van Dyke staying and Jake Garcia staying, it's very understood that Jakari Brown is also staying. Like, because I, I know his name isn't being brought up specifically, but... I don't think Jakari's going anywhere. So I, Jake, Tyler, and Jakari are apparently staying, at least for now, and not transferring. And I think it's really, really good for Emery Williams coming in to have three veterans who have all started at times throughout their Miami career to be able to learn from and hopefully to be able to learn good habits from. So I think that's a good thing for Emery Williams. Now, I just want to clear up something because a lot of people, myself included, were a little bit surprised to see the reports that Garcia is not going to hit the portal. Because I, I don't know, it just made too much sense, right? Because I don't, with Tyler staying, I don't really see like a clear path for Jake to be a starting quarterback, at least not this coming year. Uh, I was a little bit shocked by that. But the more you think about it, um, just because they're both staying right now doesn't necessarily mean they're both still here when the 2023 season starts. I would like them to be. I don't want to lose anybody, really, honestly. Um, now, because you got to remember, there are two windows to enter the transfer portal. The first of those is a 45-day transfer portal period that starts three days from now on December 5th and ends in mid-January. But let's not forget, there is another transfer portal window between May 1st and May 15th. So... Depending on how spring football goes, which is over by the 1st of May, it could be possible for Jake or Tyler, more likely Jake, or even both, to exit stage left after spring ball. I don't want it to happen, but I'm letting you know it can happen, right? So just because nobody's entering the portal in December doesn't mean nobody's entering the portal in May, because they may kind of want to see how, because a couple things, guys. They may want to see how things go in spring ball. Is there going to be like a real quarterback competition in spring ball? Or is it just Tyler's the man? Um, you know, if, if there is a possibility that a new offensive coordinator comes in, you probably want to see what that guy's all about <laughs> before you decide to transfer. Because, heck, you know, a new coordinator can bring new opportunities, as we all know. So I think that's a possibility. And, you know, I, I do understand that with Jake especially, I think Tyler is, is locked in. I think Tyler is for sure going to be here next year. Uh, I think Jake wants probably more clarity on what his role can be here moving forward, uh, if he might get a chance to actually compete for QB1, because uh, I don't think that's clear yet at this time. Uh, and again, if he suspects that there could be a change in OC, Garcia may want to see how that all shakes out before he makes a final decision. So that's where we're at with the quarterback room. It's going to look pretty much the same potentially next year. Uh, and, you know, some people have said this about Emery Williams, that, you know, he's so quiet because he's one of those because there are certain guys that we always hear from on social media 
like Ray Ray Joseph and Robbie and Bobby Washington, Francis Maui Goa, Antonio Tripp that are always like just going crazy how much they love being Miami Hurricanes and how bought in they are. And then there are other guys who are a little quieter, like Cormani McLean is is quiet, which makes people worry. But I think in the case of Cormani, like there is evidence of him actually trying to recruit players to Miami behind the scenes. Sometimes actions speak louder than words. And with Emery Williams, for as quiet as that dude may be, um, I don't hear any buzz about his recruitment being open, right? Because once you get to this time of year, usually if you're having concerns about whether somebody's like fully bought in or not, you start to hear about them, you know, talking to other staffs and scheduling visits. I don't hear any of that with Emory Williams. So the fact that he's super quiet doesn't necessarily mean he's not convinced to come to Miami. So I'm still... I'm still fully expecting him to arrive, to arrive and, and probably as an early enrollee to get that first uh, spring practice under his belt. Uh, let's talk a little recruiting. Folks, I think that uh, I am confident enough, and I'm, I'm like 100% on these because I don't drop them very often. Uh, I don't have to drop them. But I, I think I'm confident enough now to drop a Dono ball, my version of the crystal ball, I'm going to drop a Dono ball for Ruben Bain to the Miami Hurricanes. I have reason to feel very good right now that Ruben will be picking the University of Miami whenever he makes his choice. It's going to be at some point in December. This is all building on what we began speaking about yesterday. We did a show on this yesterday, uh, you know, with an Auburn insider logging a crystal ball for Bain to the U. Uh, and we know Bain's primary recruiter at Auburn, and Auburn being the primary competition for Miami here, uh, Coach Rock Bellantoni was not retained by Hugh Freeze, and I think that that is definitely affecting Bain's recruitment. And I think there's more signs uh, of Bain trending to Miami, and I'm feeling good enough to log a Dono ball for Bain to the U. And what a season, what a high school career Ruben Bain is having. I mean, Miami Central – they're now the number one ranked high school team in the entire country. They're 12-0. They're heading into the state semifinals now against Lakewood. They're trying to finish a perfect season. And Ruben Bain, uh, best player on that perfect team, 26 sacks this year as a senior. 26? A lot of guys would like to have 26 sacks over four years. That's a year for him. I think he had 19 and a half last year. He's got 26 sacks this year as a senior. I don't know how he's only a four star, right? Because we, we talk about certain players that like Joshua Horton, who's been trending to Miami. How is he only a three star? How is Ruben Bain only a four star? This, this dude is one of the best players in the country. Legitimately. He is a Miami legacy as we know. Uh, and he's an ambassador for South Florida football. And that's why I think it's so important to get Ruben Bain locked into the university of Miami even if he won't end up being the top-ranked recruit in Miami's class because he won't be ranked above Cormani McLean and Francis Maui Goa, I think Ruben Bain is the most important recruit in this class when it comes to where he plays, who he is, where he's from, and everything he brings to the table. So fingers crossed, my friends. The Dono ball is in for Ruben Bain to the U. Uh, just so you know, uh, there is starting to be some legit buzz on five-star quarterback Dante Moore not being 100% on his Oregon commitment. Uh, for the last couple days, I've been seeing, like everyone has been seeing it, 
you know, some of the buzz about him potentially flipping. And I've been saying it for the last couple of days that I've had no real evidence that Moore might decommit outside of, you know, Dillingham leaving Oregon to become the head coach at Oregon at, at Arizona State. But there is now a growing sense that Moore's recruitment could be opening up. And this is what I talk about, guys, when I said that in the case of Emory Williams, you don't really hear or see like any evidence that he's opening things up. And that's why I think he's pretty solid to Miami. With Dante Moore, there's starting to be a little bit of buzz that he might be opening things up. This is a five-star quarterback out of Detroit, Michigan. Uh, Miami was on his short list before he picked Oregon. So if things are opening up, I would expect Miami to be aggressive since this staff never gives, gives up on anyone before National Signing Day. Now, uh, you know, there's definitely more buzz for Michigan State than there is for Miami because that's, you know, the, the local in-state school that's also recruited Dante Moore really, really hard. So, you know, if he were to decommit from Oregon it's certainly not a slam dunk to Miami but I think this is a this is a player that Miami would certainly make an effort for and speaking of buzz on decommits there's a lot of buzz on and somebody asked me about this in our live chat yesterday and I didn't have an answer for it yesterday but I have an answer for it today five-star safety Derek Williams out of New Iberia in Louisiana uh, New Iberia Westgate High School. This is one of the best players in the country. Derek Williams, this is uh, per on three. This is a big story on him. He is remaining silent on his recruitment as the early signing period approaches. He's telling his high school football coach he intends to wait for the end of the season to evaluate his options. Now, he's a Texas verbal commit. So if you're talking now, you want to wait till the season to evaluate your options, but you're already committed somewhere, that's not a great sign for the team you're committed to. They write, Williams, who is an on-three consensus five-star safety, has had a standout senior season and has helped lead his team to the state semifinals. He verbally committed to Texas way back on June 27th, four days after the Longhorns landed Arch Manning, but has been presumed to still be open to overtures. Westgate head coach Antoine Ryan told Kane Sport that Williams told him he wants to wait until the end of the season before he firmly chooses a school. So that tells you he hasn't firmly chosen Texas if he's waiting until the end of the season to reevaluate. So uh, Miami needs safeties. Uh, they need safeties in the portal, and they need more safeties in recruiting, right? I mean, I, I like uh, Antoine Action Jackson a lot, but Miami just needs more quality bodies there. Uh, and, you know, you also – it's been confirmed Al Blades is hitting the portal and Avante Williams is hitting the portal – we're still kind of waiting and seeing what happens with James Williams. So Miami could be losing a lot of safeties in the portal, and they weren't super deep at that position group to begin with. So we need all the safeties we can get right now at the U. We're going to take a look at some of the odds and ends, guys, courtesy of Bet Online. Keep it locked right here to Locked on Canes. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. Uh, so I want to take a look at some of the numbers for the conference championship games this weekend brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered, get it, this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts. So uh, Friday, if you this episode is a Friday episode. So if you're watching this on Friday, uh, we still are hours away, several hours away from USC versus Utah in the Pac-12 championship game. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. This is Utah's game. Some of you are going to say Utah's going to win this game. They already beat USC this year. 
here's the thing. That was a home game for Utah. This one is the neutral site. I do believe USC is the better team than the Utes, and I don't see them losing to Utah twice this year. So I think that the fact the fact that Utah, ha who had a one-point win at home against USC this year, the fact that Utah are only two-and-a-half-point underdogs in this one, which means USC is only a two-and-a-half-point favorite, I think that's a big opportunity to lean to the Trojans tonight. I think USC is going to win this game by probably closer to a touchdown than that two and a half points that they're favored by. So uh, I really like the Trojans this evening. The over-under is 67 and a half. That's a pretty high number. Um, I'm, I'm probably either staying away from that or going towards the under. I mean, e even for Pac-12 football, 67 and a half is a pretty high number. But I, I definitely like USC minus two and a half or – uh, even if you're not like big in on the uh, on the spread, maybe you think about USC minus 145 on the money line. But I think uh, USC minus two and a half at minus 115 is probably probably the better way to go there. Uh, so let's see ACC championship game. That's going to be Saturday night at 8 p.m. I'm looking at the number here at Bet Online. Uh, this line has held firm for the last several days. I don't think this line has moved at all, and I'm happy it hasn't moved because if you haven't placed a wager yet on this, I think there's an opportunity. Clemson Tigers minus 7.5 against North Carolina. North Carolina has the better quarterback. They've got the more prolific, better-ranked offense, but Clemson is the better football team, significantly better defense, uh, and, you know, they have a lot of offensive talent. Shipley is an absolute stud. And you, you never know which version of DJ Uyunglele is going to show up, right? Because he can be a turnover machine, but he's also a big-bodied, dual-threat quarterback who can run you over because he's huge. You make a business decision every time that guy runs whether you're going to tackle him. So uh, I, I think based on just how well North Carolina's offense has played all season, they're going to score enough points to make this interesting for a while, but I think Clemson's going to win this one by probably 10 points or more. So I like Clemson minus seven and a half in this game against North Carolina. Uh, and I, I don't know. I, I wonder about 63 and a half. That's the over under. That's a pretty high number as well. I could maybe see going over on that because North Carolina's defense is just bad, bad, and Clemson's secondary has had moments this year where they've they've struggled at times. So uh, I, I don't know. I may sit that one out, but I would probably lean a little bit to over 63.5 if you were so inclined to do so. Uh, and so, yeah, the, 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 those are the games that I was most interested in here. You also, of course, have a SEC championship game between Georgia and LSU. This is a tough one for me, though, because – the line is just, it's gigantic. Georgia minus 17 and a half against, you know, a Jekyll and Hyde LSU team. Like they, they never should have lost to Texas A&M, but I kind of feel like LSU has enough talent to keep this one within three scores. So maybe I would lean to LSU plus 17 and a half there. Uh, but that is, that's just such a big, because obviously Georgia is way better than LSU. For my money, Georgia probably the best team in the country, but at the same time, are they really 18 or more points better so that's what I'm looking at at Bet Online. They have you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, guys. 
It's going to be a busy few weeks coming up. I'm already kind of mentally preparing myself to uh, to not sleep a whole lot, like between December 21st and 23rd uh, during the early signing period. We'll see about the transfer portal period because I know Miami's going to be active bringing players in. So it's going to be a really, really busy month. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. We're going to keep you covered all recruiting season and all transfer portal season long. Uh, make sure for your next listen, you check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow on another episode of Locked On Canes, part of the awesome Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.